All right. Good morning. Good morning. Morning again. We'll be looking at First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. First service. You heard of the pastor that he used to have a mint in his mouth every time he preached. And then when the mint was gone, he knew that the message should end. Well, one day he's preaching for like three hours. And everybody's wondering what in the world did he do? And he realized he accidentally put a button in his mouth instead of a mint. And it just wouldn't go away. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You, you give something, some, she, she, Teresa finally got it. Do you, you get some? <laughs> Do you like that one? I'll send you that one. Next week. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, you give, you give something to somebody and you expect them to use it in the right way. Right? The tennis team has been giving a tennis racket. There is a right way to use a tennis racket, Richie you lean me here, and there's a wrong way of using a tennis racket. And uh, yes, any, uh, and so some of these guys think they're playing Fruit Ninja out there, and they're trying to swipe at the ball like this, and they're not going to hit a tennis ball if you don't use the racket in the right way. You got to use the racket in the right way. You got to make sure your body's moving in the right way. And I'll tell you, this week I was ready to quit. Because here I am with these guys, and they're fruit ninjuring out there, and they're hitting the balls going a foot, and they're trying to hit it, and they're missing it, and the ball's right in front of them, and you tell them, guys, please don't do this, and guess what they're doing? The next thing, they're doing this, and they're doing this with the racket, and I'm like, I'm done. That's it. I'm, I'm, I, I can't do this. I'm, you know, these guys are beyond hope. There's no way it's gonna, they're ever going to get any better. And then Friday came, and I don't know what happened Friday, but we go to this tournament. And we say, do this, do it. And they start doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And guess what? They start hitting the ball. <laughs> and, and guess what? The ball went over the net. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? And I'm like, maybe I can coach. Maybe this is going to happen. You know, maybe, maybe there is help for them. And they just, they use it. They're hitting it. And just to see their eyes get all bright. You know, coach, I hit the ball and it went over the net. It's so exciting. Yes, that's exciting. That's tennis, by the way. You know, and so we had a, we had a good time. And, and praise God, after Friday, I said, you know what? I can do this for at least another week. So I'm, I'm happy to be with you guys and all excited. I know Monday they're going to go back to this and back to this. But that's all right. You know, you got you to gotta deal with it. You know, it's amazing when we use the law or the Bible, how people take the law and they twist it and they start using it for purposes that God never meant it to be. And we have something beautiful, as we're going to see in a moment, something that's good in 1 Timothy 1.8. We see that the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. And he's talking about the Old Testament law. There, there, there's nothing wrong. It is beautiful in its outward appearance and its inward. It, it is be- the law is good. There's nothing wrong. The problem is people are using it in ways that don't glorify God. And, and that's why he's going to say here, he's going to say in verse 8, we know that the law is good. Don't miss that. 
There's a goodness to the law. Don't let those who pervert the law make the law to be dirty and ugly. It's not ugly and dirty. The Old Testament law is not. But, look at this, what it says here in verse 8. If one uses it, what? Lawfully. There is a right way to use it. Now, now reformers, they started to think about what are some ways that we can use the law. So they came up, Calvin and Luther, different ways, and they used different names. They used political use, the principle use, uh, the, the purification use, and they, you know, they used all that. They used the spiritual use, the civil use, the, the sanctifying use, and they are all different kinds of terms for it. One of the terms that they use is the spiritual use. Really, the law is a mirror. How many of you like mirrors? Right? Some of us who are as handsome as I am, we like them. You know what I mean? They don't bother us. Some, not one amen, not even for my wife, but anyway. You know? <laughs> She's in the nursery. Some, the mirror is a nasty thing. Why? Because we think, you know, at least I do, I think I'm a lot younger than I am. You know, and I, I feel young. I go out there and play tennis. I beat all the tennis guys, but they can't beat me. I beat all of them. You know what I mean? I put them in their place. I show them who they are. They ain't getting around this guy. You know, and I, I beat them. And then I get in the mirror. I said, who in the world are you? I just felt like I was 20, but I look 60. You know, what's going on here? Getting old. The mirror shows us who we are. I thank God for mirrors. It is very hard to shave without a mirror. You ever try it? You know what I mean? I get the beard all over the place. You can't. You got to make sure you got it nice. You know, you got the beard. Oh, you got the mirror going. The mirror helps us. The law is a mirror. The law is going to show us our defects. It's going to show us who we really are. The law is going to humble us. At times, frighten us. That we're going to say, Lord, I need grace. I need to change. That's the spiritual use of the law. And we're going to see in a moment, that's what he's going to be talking about. There's a civil use of the law. Can you imagine a world without laws? Somebody says, I just would want to live in a place that has no law, no speed limits. Amen. No, no, not, I could just drive my car as fast as I want, do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about any laws. I could do whatever I want. If I get mad at somebody, whack their head off. It doesn't matter. All the laws, no laws. You want to live in a place like that? Do you know there's actually a place like that here on earth? You ready for this? Starts with an A. Anybody know where that place is? Antarctica. Antarctica has no laws. You want to go to, anybody want to go to Antarctica and live? I don't want to go there. A block of ice, that's, you know, it has no laws. People want a place with no laws. This, this place is in the Middle East where little tribes and towns have tried that, where the Taliban and people have gone in there and they've tried to change and uproot the laws and make their own laws. People are dying for right laws because without laws, there'd be no restraint. And so the law restrains and stops things. And there's a sanctifying use of the law. Look what he says here in verse 8. He says the law is good, but we have to use it lawfully. We have to know how God wants us to use it. And he's going to say what the law is made for. Look at verse 9. He says the law is not made for who? A righteous person. Now, now don't miss this. He's not talking about a self-righteous person. Because there are self-righteous people in this world who think they're better than everybody else. And they don't need God's Word. They don't need God's Bible to tell them anything. That they're just good people. 
And they're in area good. They think they're good and they have goodness. And so they're self-righteous. That's not the righteousness he's talking about here. He's saying the law is not for people who realize that they are sinners, but Jesus Christ came and died for their sins, was buried and rose again, and they've accepted the righteousness of Jesus Christ into their lives, and now they are declared righteous by a holy God, not because they are good, but because of what Jesus has done for them. The law is not for people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and who are convinced of their helplessness before God. Is that you? Can you say when you stand before a holy God and he asks you, why should I let you into my kingdom? Can you say, Lord, I, I, you shouldn't. But because of what Jesus has done for me, my trust is in Jesus alone. And now I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Those people who are convinced of their sins, they don't need to be shown the, the commandments to see how sinful they are. They know how sinful they are. But there are people in this world who aren't convinced. And here's what he says here. He says there are people in this world who are not convinced. He's going to name 14 groups of those people. Wow, holy cow. We're going to be here all night. 14 groups. Now we're going to go through these quickly. And we're going to take them in pairs here. He's going, to, he's going to talk about these people who are unconvinced of their sin. They, they don't believe that they need Jesus Christ and His righteousness. They continue in their sin. They believe that they're okay before God. Now, I don't want us to look at these people and say, these are the people outside the church, and these are the people who need Jesus, and I don't need Jesus, I'm okay. No, as you look at this list, this is a mirror of who we are too. Watch this. This is incredible. He says, the law is not made for a righteous person, for somebody who's accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. The law is for those who are lawless and rebellious, the first pair. For the people who refuse to recognize the law. For the people who refuse, if they recognize the law, to submit to the law. I remember my mother got me a moped at 15 years old. You know it's illegal for a 15-year-old to ride a moped? I could care less. I rode the moped everywhere. I beeped the horn. I drove the neighbors nuts. Beep, 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 beep. I kept I went around. Beep, 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 beep. They knew it was me. I'm driving one day. I see a cop. I says, uh-oh. Got a friend in the back. He goes, what are we going to do? There's a cop. I says, don't worry about it. We'll go right there. He's not going to say anything. He's not going to do anything. He just, we'll drive right by him. We drive by him. Woo! I says, don't worry. We go through houses, we hide behind a house, we go through here, we go around a lake, we go through here, we cross the neighborhood, we go into my house, we put the moped in the garage, we shut the door, we're safe. <laughs> Remember I told you I drove my neighbors nuts? The cop was going around trying to find who had the moped. They couldn't wait to tell him who had the moped, it was me. I'll never forget, 15 years old, this cop comes in. I don't know who he was. It looked like he was drunk. He had, his face was all red. He's really spitting on me. He goes, you're 15! That's illegal! I said, so? <laughs> My mother bought it for me. I could care less about the law, and even if I knew there was a law, I wouldn't submit to it. How many have done that? Don't raise a hand. He's talking. He's showing the mirror here. The mirror is going to get hot in a moment here. Keep going. It's for those who are ungodly and sinners. For those who live their lives with no reverence for God. 
for those who live their lives missing the mark. How many of us have missed the mark before? How many of us have, have known what God wanted, but we just missed it? We didn't do exactly what He wanted. We've missed what He wanted. That's missing the mark. That's a sinner. He says, this is who the law is for. These who are unconvinced of these things. They're, they're the ones that know there's a law, but they don't submit to it. They know there's a God, but they won't submit to Him. They continue to miss the mark. How about this next one? The unholy and profane. The unholy speaks of those who live in impurity. You ever have an impure thought? We're all guilty. And not only that, those who are dedicated to earthly matters, those are the profane, who stomp on the things of God, who can care less about eternal matters, whose minds are focused on earthly things and nothing else. That's hard on a Sunday, especially the first week of football. Amen? <laughs> because we're all excited, aren't we? Six o'clock, who's playing? The best team in the world, the New York Giants. Amen? Not one ain't. Wow, this is a tough church, right? <laughs> Come on, Joe. You're on my side here. You know? I was expecting you to wear your jacket today. Joe, comes, the only one that comes in with the New York Giant jacket. They're playing. They praise God, right? We get so earthly focused. It's profane. It's stomping on the things of God. We have a disregard for eternal matters. How many have done that? <laughs> Let's go on. This gets even tougher. Murderers of who kill their fathers and their mothers. Murderers. Let me tell you, I... I was a disrespectful kid, don't get me wrong, but I have never seen disrespect like I see it now amongst kids. The way they talk to their parents. What you doing, dude? Hey! I remember one Christmas, I'll never forget, a little kid. Mother goes, what are we going to buy? No, no, no. The kid goes, no. I'm going to tell you what you're going to buy for me. You will buy this for me. Okay, sweetie. Okay, you got it. Disrespect. Murder. I was in one church where the guy said, hey, pray for me, I got to go. My, my father died unexpectedly. We didn't know what happened. Found out it was his mother who killed the father. The most disrespectful dishonor. How many of us dishonored our parents? We're guilty. The disrespect there. My brother and my mother fights, fist fights. My brother would raise his hand towards her. I would say words that I'm not proud of against my mom and my father. It happens. Murderers, people who take lives, anger. Notice this next group here as we go down the list. The immoral men. And the homosexuals, he groups those up, even with the kidnappers. And we're going to look at all three of these. The first word there is porneia, the word for pornography, the word that speaks of sex that's outside of marriage, the word that speaks of sex with a prostitute, if you want, sex with different kinds of people, fornication, adultery, people aren't even animals. It's included in that word, porneia. It's illicit sex. It's immorality. It's thoughts that don't please God and then actions that don't please them as well. I tell people who are about to get married, you know, and I say this with tongue in cheek, why can't I kiss your girlfriend? 
They look at me and they say, well, that's not your wife. Well, she's not your wife either. She'll be your wife when you say, I do. But there's a double standard we have in this world. So people move in together, they live together, and they say they love one another. That is porneia, fornication. It doesn't please God. Incense, incest, sorry, incest, incest. Beast. Look at this other word here, homosexuality. It, it's the word a male with a male. It's interesting here. In Leviticus 18.22, it says, You shall not lie with a male as one does with a female. It's an abomination to God. This is an abuse with females and abuse with males. But it gets even harder here. Look at this. Kidnappers. It blew me away when I studied this word out. It speaks, it's literally in the Greek, a man snatcher. But it speaks of somebody who takes young people, listen to this, and uses them for sexual favors. It is a sick word. Back then they would traffic young people, male, female, males with males, female, female. And, and they would abuse them and use them. I tell you, there's nothing as a pastor when I hear of these things that I just want to run into the forest with my family and hide. I hate it. It makes my stomach turn. There's a movie that came out, Sound of Freedom. It's real. You say, oh, no, it's not real. You know, it's not happening here. It's happening in Colorado Springs. This week, a 30-year-old pastor was arrested for exploiting a child in this town. It's happening right here. Immorality with children. Let me just tell you, some of these sickos that are there with the immorality that they're watching on the TV and all that, that often leads to the immorality with kids. But they're unconvinced of it. Unbelievable what's out there. But we say, that's not us. Have you ever had an immoral thought? We're guilty before God. How about this one? Liars. You ever bent the truth just a little bit, not to hurt somebody's feelings? Or how about making an oath before somebody and saying, I'm going to do this, I'll be there, I'll, I'll be there, and then we're not there, we don't, we don't do it? That's perjury. Making an oath and going back on it. Man, that's a list. You say, where did Paul get this list from? I mean, these are, these are categories of people. Where did he get this list? Well, let's go to the Ten Commandments for a moment. You want to? All right, let's try it out. All right, let's just try the first command. Let's see how we do. You should have no other gods before you. Anybody have God first all the time in their lives? We're hurting right now. Idols? Oh, they're there. We have them. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, we've messed that one up. How about resting like we should? We've blown that apart. How about honoring mother and father? Oh man, I'm guilty on that one. Keep going down the list. Don't don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. All right, yeah, you know, I don't do it as much as other people. How about this one? Have you ever wanted something somebody else has? <laughs> We're guilty. Here's the thing. The law is like a chain. You break one link, you broke it all. 
You can't wear a chain around your neck if one link is broke. It won't hang there. One law, we're all trouble. Watch what Paul does. He gets a little sarcastic here, a little bit. He says this, and truthful, this really hurts. All right, if the 14 categories, if the 14 different people didn't bother you, look at the end of verse 10. And whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, I'll just throw it all in there. I mean, if you, if you, don't, you don't think you're in one of those categories. I've had all of them. I'm just throwing anything else that, that offends God. But I don't want us to miss this. This is very important. When he talks about sound doctrine, he's talking about the word hygiene, healthy doctrine. What he's saying here is there is the kind of teaching out there that minimizes the law, that can care less about the law and say you can live as you want, God will love you anyway, who cares about these sins, that leads to sick doctrine. That's not what God wants. In fact, we become salespeople where we don't want to hurt the buyer's feelings. So we leave out things. I just bought a car and the guy left out a few things. He didn't tell me about. I want to wring his neck later. In Christian love, of course. <laughs> we leave out things out of the gospel just to not offend people. We say, oh, okay, don't, oh, so, so you disrespect your mother and father. Don't worry, just come to G. Everything's fine. Oh, 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 you, you live in constant anger. That's fine. Don't worry about it. You don't have to admit that. Jesus will just forgive you. You're a good person. Don't worry about it. You live with people that's not your wife. Who cares? God loves you. That, everything's okay. Every, you're a great person. Don't worry about it. We try to be a salesperson with the gospel. We try to say, you know what? You just, you just need Jesus and your life will be a little bit better. Don't worry about your sin. You don't have to admit that. We don't want to talk about that. That's negative stuff. We don't want to mention that. You're, you're great. Don't worry. You want Jesus? Okay, great. Now you're even better. Great. Praise God. And we leave out the things that really matter. We could never want a Savior unless we realize we're a sinner. And the law is a mirror that shows us how ugly we really are. And let me tell you something. We don't stop by just showing people the law. We've missed it if we do. We give them something. Look at verse 11. We give them the greatest news that we can ever give them. The glorious gospel. Do you see it? He says, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to what? The glorious gospel. God's gospel is glorious. You know why it's glorious? Because no sin is too deep, no sin is too dark for our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive. In fact... Let's go back through that list for a moment. It says here that they're ungodly people, right? And sinners. Isn't it amazing in Romans 5, it says that Christ came to die for the ungodly? And Christ came to die for sinners? You go through that list and you see homosexuals. Isn't it amazing that in 1 Corinthians 6, it says that the Lord Jesus Christ has come and washed those who are homosexuals? God can save anybody. And so the law is a beautiful mirror to share with people their sin. But then we come with the gospel and we say, look, there's the good news. Yes, we failed God. 
But there's good news. There's glorious news. There's news that the Lord left His heaven. He came down on His earth and He died on the cross for you and for me. And you can be saved if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It is a glorious gospel. You know why it shows God's glory. How in the world can God save these kinds of people? He does. Sometimes we look at them and say they're beyond hope. No, they're not. We have the gospel of hope. It is glorious because it shows His love, His wisdom, His righteousness, His grace, His mercy, and His peace. It's a beautiful gospel. It's the good news. It's the, hey, you see in that mirror how ugly you really are? Hey, I want to show you something beautiful. The Lord came to save you and rescue you. Isn't that wonderful? And even though you have these things, Jesus will save you. It's the glorious gospel. It's of the blessed God. <laughs> and it's God's way. Because I tell you, if it was up to us, we would run away from people like that. But God runs to them. In fact, verse 11, he says something beautiful. Which I have been entrusted. In other words, Paul was saying, I'm an administrator of this gospel. You see, this gospel is good news, but it's not good news if no one hears about it. We need to share it. We need to show it. We need to tell people, hey, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And when they say, well, I'm not a bad sinner. Oh, you're not? Let me just ask you a few questions. Well, have you ever? And you go right down the commandment. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you trying to do? Condemn me? No, I'm just trying to show you how much you need Jesus. But here's the good news. I'm not leaving you there. I'm not holding up a sign saying God hates you. I'm holding up a sign saying God loves you and He came to die for you. But you need to accept that. See, there's a right use of the law. There's a glorious use of the law. But we'll never need a Savior until we understand how much of a sinner we are. That's why I love Chuck Anderson. Because here's a man, I think he's 80 now or close to 80. I don't want to get his age wrong. He's out there in the hot sun moving a dinosaur up and down just so people can hear about Jesus. He cares for souls. Do we? Or do we look at this list and we say, that's for them. I'm glad I'm saved. Praise God. Or do we really care about people who are unconvinced of their sin? There's nothing like the Bible that convicts others. Let's take a few moments. We're going to bow in prayer here as we prepare our hearts for communion. We get somebody to get the kids here.